All right. Hey, who's ready for a baby dedication? Oh, my gosh. Be awesome. Matt and Kelsey, come on up. And family, everyone wants to gather around him. This is James Olin. What does he go by? Olin. Olin. This is Olin. Roland Olin. Is somebody taking pictures right now with a really good camera phone so we have this awesome moment? I'm going to be holding Olin in a few minutes, and you better have the pictures ready then because I want to, like, yes, pictures. Um, you can't stand there. I have to stand there. You can't stand there. You can st- i got to get right here so I can see the baby. But come right here. You can come right here next to me. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I scared you. Come down this way a little bit so we can, uh, yeah, we go. All right. All right, so I've got a few quizzes, Matt and Kelsey. And, um, in fact, Randall, in the mic- second, he's going to be praying so you can handle the microphone when the time comes. Are you ready? You, you don't mind praying for your son, do you? I don't mind. Absolutely. All right. So in this moment, we find in, in Luke chapter 2, it's going to read this to you. It says, in accordance to the law, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present Jesus to the Lord, to be consecrated to him. The idea is this consecration has in mind this idea, this beautiful being separated for the purposes of God. And the idea of bringing the child is the idea of consecration. This idea of saying we, we are parents, but we want to consecrate, we want to separate, say this child ultimately belongs to Jesus. And that's why Matt and Kelsey are here today. And just as the parents of Jesus did this as an, an act of obedience, with a desire to ultimately to say Jesus belongs to the Father. This is what we're doing today with Olin. We know in Scripture, and I'm going to ask you just to pay attention to these, because this is what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, These are the commands, decrees, the laws, the Lord your God, directing me to teach to you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. So that you may enjoy long life here, Israel, and be careful to obey so it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers promised you. Says, Hear, O Lord, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And so with these in mind, three questions or four questions I have for you. Do you this day recognize this gift as a child of God and thank him for this blessing? Yes, we do. Do you dedicate yourselves to raise Olin in a godly home where Christ and his church are honored? Yes, we do. Do you this day dedicate Olin to the Lord? Yes, we do. And do you here this day ask God's blessing upon Olin's life to guide and to guard and direct him through all his years? I'm going to have you pray over Olin. Father God, it's, uh, you know, it's been a very trying year for Kelsey and I. Uh, Through all of that, Olin has been the light at the end of the tunnel. God, just thank you so much for entrusting us. For this precious gift and this precious baby boy. God, be with us as we have to make hard decisions as parents. As we raise him into being a, a man of God and a man after your heart. God, even 
my biggest prayer since he's been born has been even in my mistakes continue to bless him even when I don't make the right decision continue to be a blessing to him Kelsey and I commit to raising this child for you and we thank you so much for giving him to us and entrusting him with us Amen Amen all right, let's see him. All right, come on, bud. There he is. I'll come over here. You guys can't see him over here. Right there. See him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a uh, future linebacker right here. Yeah. Woo. So today, as we've said before at Vintage, as we come in this moment, we're thankful for the blood family represented right here that obviously comes and supports. And so thank you guys for coming and staying today and support. But we, I hold, Olin today as pastor and shepherd. And in the moment, it's recognizing that he has a spiritual family that you represent, whether you know him or not, whether you even come to Vintage or not. If you are a believer in Christ, then you are part of his spiritual family. And so then when we come in these moments, it's to recognize that it's not just Matt and Kelsey and blood family's responsibility to raise this child to love Jesus. But as you relate to him and as you relate to them, you have a responsibility also, a beautiful gift of responsibility, right? To come and to love Matt and Kelsey, to support them, to come and to be a blessing to Olin, to speak life into him. And so today, if you are willing to commit to say, yes, we will stand with Matt and Kelsey and to the best of our ability, love Olin as the Lord enables us to do so, I invite you to stand with me as we pray over him. I invite you to close your eyes and again focus on Jesus, focus on his love for the children that would come to him. He says, don't hinder little ones coming to me. And so, Father, we pray right now, Jesus, every hindrance that would stand in the way of Olin for knowing you and walking with you from an early age, Jesus, that you would even begin now preparing to remove those obstacles. I pray, Father, that he would know you from an early age. And I don't mean just know as in know about you. I mean walk with you to, in a wonderful and beautiful way, have an understanding what it means to fear the Lord in a loving relationship from an early age. God, I pray, Jesus, that you would flood him with the fruit of your spirit. That all the days of his life he'd be known as one who walks with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control being evident in his life. Father, we pray for Matt and Kelsey now. I pray, Father, that you would fill them with excitement and anticipation about being parents. God, it's very sobering to be parents, but it's also very exciting. And I pray, Father, now that they would know that you don't just empower them with your spirit to do miracles. You empower them with your spirit to parent, which sometimes is the greatest miracle. And I pray now, God, that you would bless them. I pray, Father, that you would flood peace into their home. And I pray that, God, the upcoming years, God, would be filled with joy. God, we bless you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look at him. He just loves those fingers. All right. Love you guys.
he's sad to leave me. What can I say, guys? I have that effect on babies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring the lights down this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different. If you're new to Vintage, this is your first time. We're so glad that you were here. And this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're in the process of moving towards a, a, a fall study called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the idea of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is that there are things that God is stirring in us, uh, things that have um, kept us from really growing emotionally, that have really stunted our, our emotional health, and that's, the, and that's really stunted our spiritual life. The idea is this, if we are a whole being made up of of spirit and our spiritual life, our emotional life, our physical life, if any of those is suffering, then we're not going to be able to be the person that God's called us to be. And so we're diving into the study and you can sign up for be a part of it. But one of the things that we recognize that Scott talked about last week that we want to invite you into, it's this. We recognize that for us to succeed... What I mean by succeed, I don't mean like succeed in the eyes of the world, but to succeed in the eyes of God is to be a people who love God and who love our neighbors, who love God, who are loved by God and who love our neighbors living our lives for those who are around us. And we recognize so many of us are stunted in both of those places. And so we've come to this reality of lean that there is a, for us to succeed in this, that we have to live, and I want you to hear this phrase, a contemplative life. If you were here last week, you heard Scott talk all about this. If you weren't here, please go listen to the podcast. He did a great job defining it, talking about it, talking about what it means. And this morning, I'm not going to dive too deep into all of its pieces, but this morning what we're going to do is we're going to highlight some primary pieces of it, and then we're just going to practice and so this is a little outside of our norm. So if you are used to going to church and you have like three songs, a couple of them are really peppy, and then you have like one that's more silent, and then you go into announcements with some funny videos, and then the pastor gives, and gives you a real motivational, encouraging speech, and then he prays for you and you go out to a really fun song. That's not this morning. This morning is going to be a morning of centering ourselves on Jesus. What do you mean by that? Well, we believe this. It's real simple. If Jesus, listen, if Jesus is the source and the only source of any of life, if he is the only source of real life, then the best thing that we can do is help you to interact with him, to allow life to be birthed inside of you. So this morning we're going to help you do that. And we're going to model for you what we believe God wants to awaken inside of you for this study all the way through November that then becomes a lifestyle. Because the idea is this, the contemplative life is simply this, intentionally slowing down to be with Jesus as a lifestyle. Contemplative life, intentionally slowing down to be with Jesus as a lifestyle. A lot of you have heard the writer with the book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. And the ideas in writing, he said, there's just these people who succeed in the context of their life. And we've got to figure out what is it about their lives that made them succeed. And so each of us, when we find people in our, our areas of, of, of work or things of passions who are successful, what do you do? You find them and you ask them, what's the secret to your success? And we believe the argument that we're going to make in the study this fall is that the primary secret of success, the thing we want to introduce you to, 
is a lifestyle of intentionally slowing down to be with Jesus because he's the only one who's a source of life. To not allow our to-do lists, our activities, and our responsibilities of the day to keep us from seeing Jesus. Because we live our lives, and what if we name some of the things that we really want from life? We want joy. We want fulfillment. We want satisfaction in life. And we pursue all of these things to gain those. And we look at it and go, realistically, we know that, well, Jesus is the only source of those in an ultimate sense. And so how, how awesome would it be if we can connect ourselves to him so that those can flow? But in the context of our lives, Peter Scazzera, the writer of our study, he said, if we do a spiritual inventory of the church in America, there are several things that we will see that I think define what defines our spiritual lives. And he just names some, that's going to name some of them. He says, for by nature, or by, by, uh, if we did like an inventory, most people would say, I feel stuck in my spiritual journey with Jesus. I feel stuck. We were talking about it. I just feel stuck. I feel like I've been stuck for a long time. Or they're struggling to stop their life on the run. It's like I can never slow down. I'm just always so busy about this life on the run. Or if they're honest, I just feel scattered. I feel fragmented. I just feel uncentered, whether it's emotionally or mentally or spiritually in our lives. We feel scattered, fragmented, and uncentered. Or some people say, I'm just physically and emotionally and spiritually tired. All the time. I feel like I never catch up. Or, if I'm honest, I feel like I'm existing with a one-inch deep spirituality. We find that as soon as any kind of hardship comes, they just fall away. Or maybe it's praying and communing with God happens very little if we ask people in their spiritual lives. Or they're just saying, I'm just not, I just, my attention is, I'm just not very intentional in pursuing Jesus. See, the word intentionally is an important one when speaking about slowing down to be with Jesus. Because I want you to hear this during the study. We're asking each of you to stop at least twice a day to stop what you're doing, your responsibilities, your to-do lists, and just ask you to slow down to be with Jesus. Now, here's a really important thing. If you grew up in church, you immediately hear that going, I've got to have a quiet time. Oh, legalism. But... What we're believing God wants to do is shift us to say, hey, man, the primary work of my daily life is not my to-do list or my responsibilities or even my job. My primary work is to love God and enjoy him forever. To love God as a primary work of my life, to slow down and to enjoy him, to allow him to speak into my life, to change me, to overwhelm me. There's an anticipation that comes with it. It's like when you were in high school and you looked up at the clock and it's like one minute till the bell rings. And you look at that all of a sudden you had like you have a plan. Like you have all your papers and books and what do you do? As soon as that bell rings, you make them you just go and put everything together very loudly so your teacher knows you're done. 
and you take everything and you shove it in your backpack and you run off. You have no idea where you're going, but it's not in class. But with anticipation, you'd wait for the bell to ring because you couldn't wait to move. And we believe this is what God wants to do in this contemplative life that we, with anticipation, anticipate stopping what we're doing to slow down, to let God speak into our lives. Not to go pray through a list of things, not to go do for him, but just to be with him. Along with the words of David in Psalm 27, says, one thing I've asked of the Lord. This is the only thing that I seek, that is dwell with God. I meditate and just look at him. When to awaken this type of life. We see it actually in the New Testament. It's really cool in the book of Acts. You see it twice. You may not know, but there was literally set times of prayer in the early church. We see it in Acts 3.1. It simply says this, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. The ninth hour represents 3 p.m. Like, I don't know if you know anything about Peter and John, but they were the founders of the church. They had thousands of people who they were responsible for, thousands in Jerusalem. But at 3 p.m. every day in the midst of their to-do list and responsibilities of literally leading the one church that was, that was present at the time, they stopped to go and to slow down and to be with God. We see in Acts chapter 10, verse 2 through 23, and I can read the whole thing, but it's a story where Peter goes to the centurion and basically brings salvation to the very first Gentile. Do you remember that? But it's really cool because it says the centurion was praying at the ninth hour. Here's this Roman official who was taking time to go pray. It says later, Peter is found praying at the sixth hour, which is around lunchtime. The centurion was as busy with as much responsibilities as you are. And he would find time at the top of the hour, whatever these, these hours are, ninth, sixth, first, third, ninth, whatever it may be, to pull away and just contemplate God, focus on God and pray and be with him. Peter, again, pretty important figure in the early church. Lots of responsibilities that would pull away to simply be with God. This is the idea we believe God's leading us to, this idea of intentionally leading you to intentionally slow down, to be with Jesus, so it becomes the most natural, important thing that you do every day. I love this picture of St. Benedict in the 500s. He lived in an environment that held set times of prayer. He says, on hearing the signals on the screen, on hearing the signal to prayer, the monk will immediately set aside what he has in hand and go with utmost speed. I love that. He literally has a to-do list and he goes, hmm, to-do list always submits to me being with Father, right? Indeed, nothing is to be preferred to the work of God or a time of being with Jesus. This was the most important activity of the day. And as I speak this morning, right, some of us, we have these weights of condemnation from days past. It says, oh, my gosh, I just got to be with Jesus, right? We're going to have a quiet time. And God's saying, no, I, I just want to set aside a time where we just are together to be with me, 
I'll be responsible for your to-do list. I'll be responsible for the things you need to get done. I'll be responsible. Will you just come and be with me? Because if you come and be with me, you'll become a better person that will enable you to do your to-do list even better. There's nothing wrong with to-do lists. It's just when the to-do list trumps being with Jesus. And so this morning what we want to do is this. We want to awaken this contemplative life, this slowing down, this intentional slowing down to be with Jesus on a daily basis because we want to help you create a lifestyle of slowing down that creates a continual, hear this, that creates a continual and easy familiarity with God's presence for your day. This is what this whole thing is about. Because we believe that God wants to take us on a journey. The upcoming months that then leads us to years. I was telling my friend James Lofton who's here, I said about 10 years ago, God started, started me on a journey that relates to this stuff. And I have been on this journey with the Lord for the last 10 years. And I look, at, look back and I'm amazed how far God's brought me. I look ahead and realize how much more there is to go of him growing and maturing me and making me healthy. And the huge part of this is creating space to intentionally be with God. Why? Because I don't know about you, but I walk through life. And when Jesus looked at Peter and said, I just need to wash your feet. He's creating a picture saying walking through life puts dirt all over you and all over your feet because life is hard. And in being with me, we come and he washes us clean. He puts his finger on the things that are killing us, the things that are hurting us, the lies that we have believed. And he just wants to make us whole and complete so that we can run the race he set before us. How does that happen? A lifestyle of intentionally slowing down and being with Jesus. So only this morning is we're literally going to practice this contemplative time. In the, in the study, it's like, like there's literally this book, and in the book it kind of walks you through, but it looks like what we're going to do this morning, Okay. I'm going to lead you through this. And so this is going to be new for some of you. But I would say this. If something is awkward, many times it's only awkward because you've never done it before. But if you've done it, then it doesn't become becomes less awkward, right? And so we want to do that this morning. We want to help you make this slowing down. But let's be honest. This is not what you're supposed to do at church on Sunday morning. Supposed to be listening and saying amen and taking notes, right? And I'm going to instead just lead you to a time of just focusing on Jesus, letting Him speak into things, contemplating. You all know what it means to contemplate, to look at and to focus on. And here's the difference is this, and letting God say, God, speak to me about this. Let's contemplate this together. Let's think about this together. What do you think about this thing? And we're going to name these three obstacles that we have in our lives, in our culture, of being with Jesus. And so Harvest is going to play behind us, just like this, and just kind of give you a heads up, okay? I'm going to name three things. I'm going to read something about those things. And I'm going to invite you, for just one minute, to let God slow you down. And you're going to welcome him to be honest with you about these things that he wants to do in your life to help you grow and know him. 
This is not guilt-driven. This is not condemnation-laden. This is with anticipation. God's like, I can't wait to be with you. I can't wait to speak into your life. Okay? So the first obstacle that we're going to focus on and let Jesus contemplate with us is the busyness of doing. The busyness of doing. Luke chapter 10, 38-42, familiar story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus, with great compassion, no condemnation, with Martha. Hmm, Martha, you were worried and upset about many things. But a few things, in fact, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and not be taken from her. It wasn't wrong what Martha was doing, but she'd allowed her doing to steal her away from being with Jesus. She was so distracted by doing, she didn't even realize it was Jesus sitting with her in her home to interact and to relate to. And so my question for us this morning that I want you to ponder before the Lord and just let God speak into is, God, what are the busyness? What is the busyness of my life that's distracting me? What is the things that I'm doing that's trumping being with you? And so I invite you to leave the scripture if you feel free to just read this. And all we're doing is saying, God, with great love and compassion, would you put your finger on my busyness and the thing that's distracting me that maybe I don't even, re- I don't even realize and allow him to speak into those things this morning. So when I pray this, I've come into the most, all right, Jesus, I've read this. Now, God, I'm just asking. I want to grow and be with you this morning. Would you put your finger on the area of my busyness that's keeping me from distracted from fully being loved by you and loving you today? Invite him to come to you this morning.
second obstacle this morning I want you to again come and bring to the Lord that obstacle is being driven by others expectations of ourselves driven by others expectations we read I know Scott read this last week but I felt compelled to read it again this morning from Mark chapter 1 verses 35 to 38 it says very early in the morning while it was still dark Jesus got up he left the house went off to a solitary place where he prayed Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him they exclaimed everyone is looking for you to sense that to feel that with that anxiety people bring to moments of when we're not doing what we're supposed to do everyone's looking for you and Jesus replied let us then go somewhere else away from people right to the nearby villages so I can preach there also that is why I have come in so much of our lives we are dictated by what others think of us we're dictated by the need to please others people pull at us people were pulling at Jesus they were telling him what he needed to do and where he needed to go his friends his disciples his friends were saying got to go over here and do this right just feeling that ah. and Jesus is like I've, that's not where we're supposed to go I'm not being driven by you I loved you I'm not driven by you though I'm being led by the spirit of God he wasn't driven by the people's expectations of his time the people's expectations of his energy he was led by the Father. So my question that I want you to ponder this morning, just again with great honesty, with anticipation of breakthrough this morning, what area are you more driven by the externals of life than you are by Jesus? And what areas are you more driven by externals? Never forget this. Cattle are driven. Sheep are led by a loving shepherd. Cattle are driven. Sheep are led. We are not to be driven. What are the primary voices that have your attention during your day? If you're honest with yourself, God begins to say, listen, let's be honest with the primary voices that you attend to every day. What are those voices? It doesn't mean you shut those voices down. He didn't shut down the voices of the disciples. But he just put them in a proper context of Jesus' voice first. What are the primary voices that have your attention? What are the externals that are pulling at you, keeping you from being led by Jesus? What are the primary voices that you attend to every day other than Jesus? Take some time and bring this before the Lord in anticipation of him speaking with great love and tenderness.
obstacle that keeps us from slowing down and being with Jesus is our own apathy and disinterest. Our own apathy and disinterest. Story from Revelation 2, just reading verse 4 and 5, it says, Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus, he says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent or turn and do the things you did at first. One of the things I've come to realize in life is the further we move away from something, the easier it is to forget. Like I took a lot of classes in school. If I had to sit down and tell you what I learned in my seventh grade class, in my social studies class, I probably couldn't do it, right? Or bridesmaids and groomsmen who were super close to me and now I haven't talked to some of them in years. Or how about those New Year's resolutions? The further you get away from them, they're like, ah. Or how many of you have made these decisions at camp, youth camps? I'm going to love you, Jesus. And then you get further away and you realize, well, the further you move away from something, the easier it is to forget, to pull away from. It's so interesting in this story. If you know your history, you know that the church at Ephesus had experienced what we would describe as revival. Like it was probably the most tangible movement of God's spirit and the movement of Jesus in any church in, in, in Acts. The whole province of Asia heard the name Jesus. People were just coming by the droves. Like literally the economy was being affected because people were no longer worshiping other gods. They were worshiping in Jesus and everything was challenged and everything was changed, right? It was amazing. And in the moment, they're still, listen, you go back and read the whole story. It's like they're still doing the right things. They hate the things that they're supposed to hate. And they're doing the things and serving the way they're supposed to serve in the midst of doing they had forsaken and turned away from their first love. And I would guess this, because this has been my experience, I'm sure it's none of yours, that I find myself sometimes in a place in my life going, how did I get here, Jesus? Where are you? Right? How did I get here? I'm like, ah, like the further away I move gradually, I grow colder and colder and colder to the point I realize, oh my gosh, how did I get here? And I guess that's what happened with the Ephesians. They probably had no clue because their lives were marked by the same energy and the same external devotion. But they had stopped slowing down intentionally to be with God and to love them. That's what he says. You've lost your first love. You've loved the doing. You haven't loved the being with and he didn't say it because he hated them. He didn't say it because he was ultimately angry with them. He was saying it with anticipation of them simply repenting, turning. Just, he says, just do the things you did before. Come and be with me. So this morning, just take a moment and say, God, where are the areas of apathy? Where are the places, God, where I've pulled away and haven't even realized it? God, show me. So let me return to you and love and be loved by you. Take a moment.
So we're going to shift our attention this morning and move into what we usually call our ministry time. But before we do that, I just want you to keep in mind again what we're doing this morning. We want to lead you to a contemplative life. What do you mean by that? We want to lead you to a lifestyle of intentionally slowing down in the midst of your responsibilities, your busyness, to make the primary action of your life loving God and being loved by Him. That's it. In fact, I believe this is this primary piece, the secret to success. Everything else we're going to do in our study depends on us relating to Jesus. So this morning you're like, okay, Steve, but you're literally asking me like at 1 o'clock in the afternoon at my 9 to 5 job where I'm really busy trying to pull away and be with Jesus? Absolutely. Well, I don't know if I have time for that. How many of you spend at least five minutes looking at ESPN this week at your job or looking at Fox News or CNN News? I'm just saying, all right, five minutes. How many of you walk to the water cooler and slowly drink your water because you just needed a break, right? Now, all I'm saying to you is this. I'm asking you to take one of these pieces to center yourself. I say center. It's like you're just letting everything else melt and focus on Jesus. And say, Jesus, I am too busy and overwhelmed to not let you speak into that and be Lord of it. Take five minutes and focus on whatever it may be, a distraction, a difficulty, a hardship, a co-worker, a moment, whatever it may be. Say, Jesus, focus on you. I just said that this week for me. I had lots of stuff going on. I came into details of it. It was like things that were heavy for me. This is what I said. Jesus, this and this is this was a this was a win for me. This is a win. Jesus, usually when I get too when I get super busy and overwhelmed with the weight of emotional things I'm carrying as pastor, I just try to buckle down and try to push through it. So God, today I'm gonna stop. And I'm just gonna slow down for five minutes because I can't make it another step without you. And that's it. And so I did. And I'm not going to say, and the heavens heavens split, and the angels descended. That didn't happen. I just slowed down, and Jesus met me. In the moment, I was able then to move forward, knowing that Jesus was Lord and was with me. So this morning, we're officially done with our service. And so there's a couple of housekeeping pieces. If you came this morning ready to give for the offering, these are the baskets, and you just give. There's a... A little box right there. There's a giving kiosk outside. You just give us the Lord leads. Ministry teams will be on both sides. What do they do, Steve? Well, we recognize there are some times that you need people to walk with you and pray for you. We just want to pray for you. We want to pray that God would bless you, pray that God would move. You want to give your life to Jesus this morning because you don't know him and you want this place of rest and peace that I'm talking about. And I want to, they want to introduce you to Jesus. Talk through that. If you just want prayer for healing, restoration, whatever it may be, they want to pray for you. But we're going to go into a time of worship and harvest. Sometimes you're going to lead us in this time. What's this time for, Steve? Well, I want to ask you specifically if you have time just to sit before the Lord and allow Him to continue speaking into these areas. Just allow Him to begin speaking. If, if one of these three didn't name you, that's fine. You, God can name them. I don't have to. He's completely capable of speaking to you Himself. And just listen. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you. 
have your way with us today, tomorrow, and the upcoming weeks. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Also, forgot to mention we have communion available every week right here. Communion is not something, that's a symbol that reminds us of Jesus. It's a celebration that he is present with us today. And so I invite you to come as the Lord leads. I take communion this morning. Just celebrate his love for us that he expressed on the cross of dying for us so that we could have life. Respond to the Lord leads. You're officially released today. Have a great week. Thank you for doing something different this morning. And I hope this can then lead you into your own personal time with Jesus. Have a great week.